You guys can have a seat. Thank you so much, uh, Jason and Keani and Ben, for leading us in worship. That was really awesome, right? Can you guys give it up for them? That was, thank you. That was really, thank you for your leadership. Hey, if we have not had a chance to meet, uh, my name is Isaac, and I'm part of the team here at the table. Um, and you may be wondering why there's a ginormous, like, kids things behind us. It's a little normal if you've been here before. Uh, it kind of looks like uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge a little bit. Uh, so we're in VBS week here at First Orlando, um, so the aesthetically it looks a little different um, than it normally does, but we're super excited. We have about, um, I don't know, 1,100 kids in here um, that we get to tell about Jesus, so it's really awesome. But here at the table on Tuesdays, this entire summer, uh, we've been in a series called Storyline, right? And the subtitle of the series of Storyline has been where the story of God meets the story of you. Right? So what, what we've learned is we've looked at these characters uh, throughout the story of the Bible that actually tell one unified story that leads to this person named Jesus. So that's who we're looking at today. So, we, so previously in the previous weeks, uh, we looked at Adam and Eve, we looked at Abraham, we looked at Moses, we looked at Elijah. Uh, then we got to the New Testament and we looked at Jesus and how Jesus' life is a blueprint for how we can live our life. Um, and then we looked at last week, um, we looked at Nathaniel and how Nathaniel had a question around knowledge and belief. Um, so we're going to continue with that. And today, I would say, is the center of the story. I would argue it's the most important story in the history of the world, which we'll talk about today. But to set it up, um, as you can tell, it's, uh, it's summer, right? We feel, we feel that it's summer. It's a little, it's a little warm, getting a little warmer. Um, so a couple summers ago, um, I went, I was at a previous church back in Texas, um, and I went with my church group from Texas to Colorado, right? And you, you're from Florida, so Colorado may seem like a magical land that doesn't really exist because there's mountains and there's rivers, right? But it's a, it's a real place. Um, so one of the rivers is called uh, the Arkansas River. So with my church group that I went with, we went on the river, but we didn't just go on the river, we went whitewater rafting, right? Has anybody else gone whitewater rafting before? You know what's up. You know what's up. So we go whitewater rafting on the, on the Arkansas River, but before we start, it's a high-risk activity, and every time there's a high-risk activity, you always gather everybody around, and the people that own the place where you go, they give what we like to call the speech, right? You all know the speech. It's the safety instruction speech, right? There's 200 of us about to go out whitewater rafting on this river, so they need to tell us, hey, here's what you need to know. So they get us all together, and this lady gives us the speech, and she starts like this, where she says, Welcome to Arkansas River Tours, where safety is our number one priority. She kind of sounds like Raj from Monsters, Inc., right? Like, I'm watching you, Wazowski. She kind of sounds like that. So, so she tells us, she continues telling us the safety instructions that we need to know. So she says, hey, look, you need to stay in the raft at all times. At all times, you need to stay in the raft. If you find yourself outside of the raft, you may find yourself in what she called a low oxygen area. I'm waiting for the other half to laugh. It's cool. A, a low oxygen area, right? And if you find yourself in a low oxygen area, she said, be part of your own rescue. Help us help you, right? And if you find yourself in a low oxygen area and you're within seven feet, then you can grab onto a paddle and pull yourself back into the raft. However, if you find yourself within at eight feet, I suggest you get within seven feet so you can grab onto a paddle and pull yourself in. 
right? She says, if you find yourself in a low oxygen area, remember, a nose and toes. You got to keep your nose up out of the water and your toes up out of the water. She says, don't stand up because if you stand up in the river, your foot might get caught into a rock and then the water's just rushing over you. You make it, you make it stay in a low oxygen area forever. If, as, so don't stand up and also rescue yourself before you rescue others, right? Rescue yourself before you rescue others. So we're listening to, to Arkansas River Tour Raft Lady, and we're like, we know, we know, we know, right? Let's get going. Let's get on this raft. So out of our group of 200, um, they, they split us up into, into groups of eight to get onto a raft. So on my raft, it was me and a bunch of these tiny middle school girls. Right? So I thought, okay, th- th- this should be fun. Um, so th- our raft guide was the broiest of bros. It was this guy named Jason. He was like, all right, guys, we're going to have a good time on the river. We're all going to paddle together. Because if we don't paddle together, things may get a little crunchy. And by crunchy, he meant we're going to get impaled by sharp rocks. That's what he meant by crunchy. And then he says, and if things get a little crunchy, we may all go swimming. And by swimming, he meant we're going to get violently thrown into a rushing river. All right? So, so we take off, right? We're trying not to crunch. We're trying not to go swimming. So Jason's instructing us to paddle, and actually things are going really well. We're paddling together. We made it through our first rapid, which is really fun. And then we do like, if you've ever gone, you know, you do like a paddle high five where everyone kind of high fives in the middle. So then crunch! We hit a rock, and our raft shoots straight up in the air. And as you know, everything that goes up must come down. So we go, no, our raft and all of us going nosedive into the water. So the, I was in the front left, the girl in the front right, no, she gone. Like she was like immediately, immediately in the river. Right? So then as I'm facing this, I couldn't hold on any longer, and I fall in. And as I'm falling in, I'm thinking, if I make it, this is going to make an amazing sermon illustration. <laughs> so I'm in the water, right? And what do I do? Immediately, I stand up, dig my feet into the rocks, and go try to rescue the girl, which is exactly what Lady said not to do, right? It's exactly what she said not to do, and that's what I ended up doing. Because had you told me, had, oh, this is, ooh, hello, we're good? I think, I think I'm good, I think I'm good. Um, so as we're, I uh, lost my train of thought. I'm going to grab, Santi, I'm just going to grab this, and I'm not going to, okay, I'm going to. I don't want to be messing with that the entire time. It's annoying. Okay. Where was I? I stood up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, you guys are paying attention. This is awesome. So I stood up. Had you asked me, had you asked me, hey, Isaac, what are you going to do if you fall into the river? I would have said, well, obviously, I'm going to nose and toes, you know, don't stand up, be part of your own rescue, right? But actually, when it came time to act, my actions proved what I actually believed. Because here's the thing. You say what you think, but you act what you believe. You say what you think, but you act what you believe. So whenever it came time for me to act, my actions proved what I actually believed. And this is exactly what Trisha talked about last week, right? Where she says that belief is not belief until it is accompanied by action. Right? Your actions are going to prove what you actually believe. And here's all, the, the next thing, too, about belief. It's possible 
to believe in multiple things. I think we have a, a slide to, to show us, kind of explain this a little bit. Uh, it's possible to believe in multiple things. So on one side, let's say you have belief number one. And on the other side, you have belief number two. Right? And then what, whatever your actions are is whatever belief is higher at that current moment. Right? So if you have multiple beliefs, you may take one action step towards one belief, and then you kind of shift your position, and then you take another step towards your other belief. Right? And this is exactly what I was doing. So let me, let me change belief one and belief two with the lady versus my own eyes. Right? Because the lady said, uh, nose and toes, be part of your own rescue, don't help people. Right? But what did my own eyes think that I should do? I thought I knew what was right in my own eyes. So I stood up, dug my feet in, and tried to rescue her. But what happened? That didn't work. I quickly realized that that wasn't going to work. So I went back to what the lady said, and I changed my belief and started taking steps where I, um, let's say the river's flowing this way. So now I'm nose and toes up out of the water. I'm floating down, and then I start freaking out. So then I believe and take steps towards believing and digging my feet and standing up again. And then I realize that's not helping, so then I believe the lady. But then I start freaking out again. So then I believe what I think is right. And then I believe the lady. And then I believe what I think is right. And what's happened? I'm literally spinning around in the river. Right? Because that's what happens whenever we have multiple beliefs. We end up spinning. Right? We end up spinning. Right? And here, here's the definition of spinning is believing in multiple things. Taking action steps towards multiple things. And I think we, we've all seen this to be true. Right? You've seen your friend, ladies. She shouldn't be with him. You know she shouldn't be with him, right? And even she knows, she believes that she should not be with him. But he has a good heart. <laughs> but he's nice. He sent that text that was really sweet, right? He sent those flowers. But then next day, homeboy's a jerk. He was in a bad mood. Okay, I'm done with him. I'm breaking up with him. Oh, but he was so sweet again, right? Spinning, spinning. Dudes, you know it's the same thing for you. Like, she's so fun. But she's really unhealthy, <laughs> But she's fun, but she's super unstable, right? It's the same thing, spinning and spinning, right? Or what about this? What about budgeting? You're like, man, I need to, I need to get my money in order. I want to set a budget. <sighs> Cooking is hard. I'm going to eat out. <laughs> you look at your bank account. No, I really do need a budget. It's really hard, right? Spinning, 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 right? Even for dieting, right? You're like, animals are so precious, we should not eat them. They need small barbecue, right? <laughs> Just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And here's the thing about spinning. It's exhausting, right? Because we take steps and steps and steps and steps and steps and steps and don't actually get anywhere, right? We just keep spinning and spinning and spinning because our belief, the thing that we believe in, keeps shifting and it's exhausting us, right? And I think you, you've seen this. You know this to be true. And a lot of us are just exhausted because we keep, our beliefs keep shifting. So, so I'm wondering, and this is setting up our time, I'm wondering if it's not good enough to believe in something because that something may keep changing, Right? So the, the, the gospel author John, who lived in the first century, he wrote an entire book where he talks about belief. And in his book about belief, John makes an argument that it's not good enough to believe in something. John says we need to believe in someone. 
who is constant, who doesn't change. Right? So let's look. John actually sums up his entire book right at the end. We're going to look at uh, John uh, chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 31. He says this, but these are written. He's saying, hey, I wrote this book. This is at the very end of his book. He said, I wrote this book so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. This is the someone that John is telling us we should believe in. He's like, I'm writing this entire book so that you believe in Jesus Christ, right? And then he says, and as you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. He's saying by believing in Jesus, that's where you get life, Right? So that's what we're going to look at today. But earlier in that chapter, in chapter 20, uh, we're going to camp out. We're going to look at a story where John talks about this guy named Thomas. Right? And Thomas, like me, wanted to believe in Jesus. Right? His belief, number one, wanted to, he wanted it to be Jesus. But also, like me, in the river, Thomas thought he knew what was right in his own eyes. Right? Thomas wanted to believe in Jesus as belief number one, but his other belief, he thought he knew what was right in his own eyes. And as we'll see in the story, Thomas is just going to be spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, um, or as John calls it, unbelief. Unbelief and spinning is the same thing. Right? Unbelief is where you don't have a belief. Right? You take one step in one belief, and you take another step to another belief. And then one step to another belief, then another step to another belief. And as you're spinning, there's just a lot of unbelief going on. So let's look at the story of our boy Thomas here. It's in John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. And he says this. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came, right? So, uh, okay, what's going on? Let's look at tw- verse 25. Um, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. This may be one of the most important sentences in all of the Bible. Why? Because four days earlier, so the disciples, they came to Thomas, they said, we have seen the Lord. Four days earlier, Jesus was praying in a garden at night. Then he got arrested. He was falsely accused, right? He was put on trial, and then he was sentenced to death. And at his death sentencing, uh, they, they, they flogged him, which means they got a cat of nine tails, which was like a bunch of metal hooks where two Roman soldiers went, and they just beat Jesus over and 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 over again. Or the, the way that, uh, the way that um, Isaiah says it, he says this. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Here is the foundation of Christian belief. After Jesus was, was flogged, then he was put on a cross between two criminals. Where he was then, he died by asphyxiation, right? And then he was dead. And then a professional uh, uh, Roman executioner, just to make sure that he was dead, got a spear and stuck it into his side so that water and blood then dripped out. Jesus was dead. It is a fact. Jesus died. But why did Jesus die? Isaiah just told us he died for our sins. He died for our transgressions. He died so that we could be healed. He died so that we could be made whole. And some of us in this room, we know that to be true and we believe that, and some of us don't, right? And if you don't, we're so glad you're here. This is a safe place. 
But part of the reason people don't believe that is because people that don't think they need saving don't think they need a savior. You have to get to a point where you recognize, get to the end of yourself, recognize, I can't do it anymore. This is all that I have, and I don't have very much. I can't do it. I need something else, right? And whenever you get to the end of yourself, whenever you recognize that you're not good enough, that you need saving, man, that's whenever Jesus looks so beautiful. So the foundation of Christian belief is this, is that Jesus died for our sins and was buried Right? So Jesus was buried. He, he was buried in a rich man's tomb. Uh, there was a Roman seal put on the front. It was pro- Jesus' body was literally property of the government. Right? So he died for our sins and was buried. The burial of Jesus, it was well known. Jesus was super famous. Everybody knew that he died. Everybody knew where he buried. It was not a, oh, did we lose it? No, no, no. Jesus was a celebrity. Everybody knew the burial place of Jesus. But Jesus didn't stay dead, friends. This is the best part. Jesus rose from the grave, right? Three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. This is incredible. This changed everything. Is that Jesus rose from the grave, that Jesus did not stay dead. If Jesus stayed dead, everything we're doing right now is a sham. The resurrection changes the entire world. It changes your life, right? We have no belief outside of the resurrection. The reason that we have, can even believe in Jesus is because, we, because of the resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus rose from the dead, but then he was seen. Remember, the burial place of resurrection, they didn't lose the body. The, people saw him. He got up. He started hanging out with people. He started visiting people. Right? He started eating meals. He grabbed breakfast. Right? The foundation of Christian belief is that Jesus died for our sins and was buried, and Jesus rose from the dead and was seen. Right? That is the absolute foundation, the rock for what we believe as Christians. Right? So how? How did Jesus resurrect from the dead? How? Resurrection power. The power of the Holy Spirit, it says, raise Jesus from the dead, right? That's incredible. And this resurrection power is amazing, right? That's what we put our hope in, is that Jesus rose from the dead and that we have resurrection power um, as well, right, alongside with Jesus, right? If Jesus did not rise from the dead, there's no belief in Jesus. There's no resurrection power, right? A lot of people can see Jesus Right, think that Jesus is a good teacher, that's cool. He did a lot of healings, that's cool. He, he was a nice guy, that's cool. He was a good teacher, right? He, he helped people, he served people. But you can, believe, you can know all those things to be true and not believe in Jesus, right? You don't have to be a Christian to believe those things. The things that set Christianity apart, the thing that sets apart true belief in Jesus is believing that he rose from the dead, The resurrection of Jesus is a game changer. It changes everything. It changes everything, right? So what sets Christianity apart is belief in the resurrection, and there is power in the resurrection. So Thomas is chilling, right? He's hanging out. He's chilling. The disciples came to him, and they said what? We have seen the Lord. So now can you see how this is a big deal? Jesus was dead. He's been dead for a while now. There is no hope. Then he rose, and the disciples came to Thomas, and they told him, we have seen the Lord. 
right? So how does Thomas respond? Does he respond, like, that's amazing. I believe in the resurrection too. No, he doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Wow. Thomas is saying, look, I, I want to believe in Jesus, but man, I'm, gonna, I'm really going to trust my own sight here. I need to see what's going on here. I need to, see, I need to physically see him. I need to see his, his, the holes in his hand. I want to put my finger like, in his side. I want to see what's going on here. Hey, if Jesus shows up and tells me that, cool, and shows me that, that's amazing, but man, I just don't know. Thomas is spinning right now. He's spinning. He's kind of believing in Jesus. He's kind of not. He's believing his own sight, kind of believing in Jesus, kind of believing his own sight. So verse 26 says this. Eight days later, which is a week later, a week later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. This is amazing. Jesus entered through locked doors. Jesus can enter places no one else can go. Jesus can enter places in your life where no one else can go. This is incredible. This is incredible. Thomas basically said, hey, I want Jesus to show up. And guess what Jesus did? He showed up, right? This is, this is awesome. This is awesome. So uh, verse 27, he said to Thomas, he said, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. He says this. Do not disbelieve, but believe. He said, Thomas, you're spinning, bro. You're disbelieving. You're kind of believing in me. You're believing in your own eyes. Kind of believing me. Kind of believing in your eyes. I know you're exhausted. He's like, don't disbelieve, but believe. Believe in someone. Believe in me, right? You can be around the things of God, but I'd actually believe in Jesus. This was Thomas, right? Thomas is disbelieving. Thomas is spinning. Thomas was with Jesus for three years. Thomas saw the miracles of Jesus. Thomas was with there as Jesus was teaching, right? Thomas was there the entire time, and yet Thomas was disbelieving, spinning. Friends, you can be at church with knowledge and be spinning. You can be reading your Bible and spinning, Right? You can be hanging out at life group and spinning. You can be kind of thinking well-ish of Christian things, of spirituality, and be spinning. Right? There needs to be more than knowledge. There needs to be belief. Right? There needs to be belief. Right? So Jesus says, Thomas, man, stop spinning. Believe me. Trust me. Follow me. Right? Believe in me. Right, and I think we, we see this a lot of times in our own eyes, do we not? It's where we we kind of want to believe in Jesus. We do. But, man, we really think that we know what's right in our own eyes. Right? Same with Thomas. I want to see it with my eyes. I want to see it with my own eyes before I believe it. And I think we do this a ton, right? So, like, we say, man, Jesus is awesome. He's so cool. Yeah, but I don't really want to tell my friends about him. Eh, it kind of seems lame, and uh, they might judge me, and I don't want to be the weird person, Right? We're spinning. We're spinning, right? But then we're like, oh, but Jesus is so cool, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, man, I want to have, like, really, really healthy relationships. But then we blow up whenever we feel like somebody disrespects us and we create a lot of unhealth in our relationships, right? Like, man, I believe that Jesus can provide financially. 
But then we, we mismanage our own money, right? Because we think that we know what's right. We say, man, I know that Jesus can satisfy me. I know that he can make me whole. But then we feel super lonely, and then we'll act out sexually with a person or with pornography, right? We, we, know, we want to have healthy boundaries with our parents. But then we don't want to, like, upset them or we're fearful what they might think, right? We want to have healthy eating habits just to honor our bodies that Jesus has given us. And then we don't. Guys, can you see? We just spin and we spin and we spin and we spin and we spin. There's a better option, though. There's a way better option, right? Jesus shows up in our spinning, Jesus shows up on our spinning with resurrected power and gives us belief, right? Jesus knows we're exhausted. We're taking a step towards him. We're taking a step towards what's right in our own eyes. We take a step towards him. We take a step towards what's right in our own eyes. And we're exhausted, running around in circles and not getting anywhere. And in the middle of that, Jesus comes and he steps in how? With resurrected power. Resurrected power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Apostle Paul says, is the same power that's living within you, right? And we are raised along with Jesus. So that resurrected power allows us, allows Jesus to come in, to step into our lives, to help us with our spinning, right? To help us with our unbelief, right? And this is Thomas's conversion experience where Jesus calls him, Jesus removes the doubt. He removes the unbelief. He steps in and his, his spinning, his confusion, where he says this, where he says, we, we just read it. He says, put your finger here and see my sides. Put it out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. That's what Jesus says. Thomas says, I need Jesus to show up, and Jesus showed up. Right? So how does Thomas respond how does Thomas respond whenever Thomas asks Jesus to show up? Jesus shows up. How does Thomas respond? Thomas responds in the only way that's appropriate whenever Jesus shows up. He responds and he says, my Lord and my God. When Jesus shows up in your life, the only appropriate response is to respond, my Lord and my God. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul says later in Romans when he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, my Lord and my God, and you believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you want life, if you want salvation, right? You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, just like Thomas did, my Lord and my God. And you believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead with resurrection power. Then you will be saved. So Jesus continues in verse 29 where he says this. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Oh, and this, this next part's awesome right here. Here we go. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed is Isaac who has not seen and yet has believed. Blessed is Doug who has not seen and yet has believed. Blessed is Lexi who has not seen and yet has believed. Blessed is Jared who has not seen and yet has believed. Blessed is Kevin who has not seen and yet has believed. Friends, insert your own name. Blessed are you who have not seen with your own eyes, and yet have believed 
in Jesus. This is incredible. This is good news. This is the gospel right here is that we don't physically see Jesus, but we believe in him with resurrection power. And as we believe in Jesus with resurrection power, it's a game changer. It's a game changer in our lives, right? We believe in Jesus, but if we don't, we believe what's right in our own eyes, it's going to lead to spinning. It's not good news. Spinning is not good news. Here's the gospel, is that Jesus comes in with resurrected power and allows us to believe in him. So how do we, how do we stop the spinning? How do we respond? How do we respond to this? The, the, the big idea that we can, um, resurrection power, resurrection gives us power to believe in Jesus. How do we respond? Well, we, we respond by believing in Jesus, right? This is amazing, is that the resurrection gives us power to believe So we respond by believing in Jesus is that we don't believe in multiple things. We believe in someone named Jesus Christ, and we take steps towards him. But we are completely incapable of taking steps towards Jesus outside of resurrection power. We can't do it on our own, right? You may have heard it said, um, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Have you heard that? Okay, that's not true. God absolutely gives you more than you can handle because you can't handle anything because you can't do anything. But you know who can do? Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has resurrection power through the Spirit. And the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that's living within us. So we cannot believe in Jesus outside of his resurrection power by the Holy Spirit. We can't do what God has gives us, but Jesus, through Jesus, we can. You guys get that? Through Jesus, we can. Right? So, you know, some people, I think well-meaning, bless their hearts, some of our religious friends, uh, may see us spinning or may see you spinning and then think that, well, you just need to know more. You just need to read your Bible and may even have a really helpful, helpful, quote-unquote, Bible verse to give you, right? And then they go to church and they're like, man, it needs to be deeper. I just want to gain more knowledge. I want to grow more. I just want to learn more. I just want to go deeper. Friends, here's the truth. Obedience is deep enough obedience is deep enough, right? See, unapologetically, unapologetically, here at the table, our primary aim is not to grow your knowledge. Our aim is to deepen your belief. Do you guys get that? We're not trying to make you a smart Pharisee, a smart legalistic Christian. What we're trying to do is deepen your belief in Jesus so that your life is marked by him, marked by love, right? Earlier in John, he says that you will know my disciples by their love, So our belief in Jesus means that our life is marked by love, not by knowledge. Eugene Peterson says this. He says, belief is a long obedience in the same direction. Belief is a long obedience in the same direction, right? So here's belief in Jesus. It's a long obedience, a step, right? And it's hard, right? I say all this. This is not... This is not a cakewalk, right? Jesus says, hey, you're going to carry your cross and you're going to follow me. So now, so you're following Jesus, but you have your own cross that you're carrying as you're taking small steps towards Jesus, right? And then you may be tempted to do what's right in your own eyes, but friends, you have resurrection power, right? So there's some things that you think that is right in your own eyes that you're going to have to give up because it's not helping you in your obedience to Jesus as you're taking steps towards him, right? So that thing that you think that you love, is it helping you obey Jesus? Is it helping you follow Jesus, right? It's going to lead you to spin. 
If the thing that you think that is right in your own eyes, the thing that you want so badly, so deeply, if it's contrary to your belief in following Jesus, you're going to spin. And that's where a lot of our unbelief comes in, a lot of our discouragement. That's why we get down. Why? Because we're spinning. We're taking a step towards Jesus, and then we take a step away. And then we take a step towards Jesus, then we take a step towards what we think is right in our own eyes. Right? So let me give you, let me give you some, some examples here. Right? So here, here, here's what it looks like, and we're going to give some practical examples, then we're going to uh, close the story, wrap up here. So this is what happens, right, whenever we have belief in Jesus versus belief in our own eyes. So on the screen, you see this is you, right? So for some of us, right, for some of us, man, we really struggle with anxiety, right? We're, we're wrecked by it. For some of us, it's more so than others, but, man, anxiety is just such a big deal in our life, Right? And in our own eyes, we may, may read some blogs or may try to f- read some books or talk to some friends. And, and maybe, maybe uh, we'll be told, hey, if you just, um, you know, just relax, if you just exercise, just, just have some, um, some self-control, control your breathing. Does that work? Maybe. Maybe it's helpful. You know what's even more helpful? Resurrection power in Jesus. That's what's helpful. Right? So, so Jesus says this. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Jesus is saying, I take care of the birds. That little, that little bird that pooped on your car? Yeah, th- that thing, I take care of that. So do you not think I'm going to take care of you? And again, I'm not saying this is a cakewalk, right? We are, we are carrying our cross as we have resurrection power that's allowing us to believe in Jesus and long obedience towards him, right? What about, this is me, I'm raising my hand on this one, approval, right? This is me right here. I want my, my friends to like me. I just want everybody to think that I'm awesome. Like, I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be that weird guy. Here's what belief in Jesus looks like, where Jesus says this. He says, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Right? Jesus was not some, uh, some, <laughs> some passive guy. He was meek, controlled strength. Right? What is Jesus saying? He's like, you care about that person? They're nothing. You should care about me. I have the power to, to control your body and soul, right? Shouldn't you consider what I think about you? And here's what I think about you is that you are known and you are loved. You are known and you are loved. Who cares about the approval of that stupid person? Like, who cares? Consider my approval and I already approve of you. What about this one? Productivity. Right? For some of us, man, we think that, man, I need to be really productive. I would need to work really hard to produce but what does belief in Jesus look like? Belief in Jesus looks like this. With resurrection power, Jesus says this. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? Jesus is saying, there's no productivity outside of me. Right? If you want to bear fruit in your life, you need to abide in me. That's only made possible with resurrection power. That's long obedience towards Jesus, right? How about this? Sexuality, right? Sexuality. Man, a lot of us, man, we like, just like to, you know what I mean? <sighs> do we not just camp out here? We like to do what's right in our own eyes? 
So we're going to quote our good friend Ariana Grande. I see it. I like it. I want it. I got it. We just live here, right? We live here. Man, but what, is, what does Jesus say? Jesus says this, but I say to you, everyone that looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Some strong words. Long obedience. That is not easy. Long obedience towards Jesus, carrying our cross, power of the resurrection to follow him, even in our sexuality. A few more, a few more. What about anger, right? Anger. Man, some of us, man, I just need to give them a piece of my mind, right? They deserve it. How dare they? How dare they disrespect me? What does Jesus say? He says this, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Similarly, but a little different. For some of us, man, it's power and control, right? Power and control. Power and control is what we think is right in our own eyes. But what does Jesus say about power and control? He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Right? What about our dreams, right? Man, we live in, we live in fantasy land, right? We have, we have the most amazing city in the world, all the happiness in the world where all our dreams come true, right? So we say that with our own eyes, man, I just want to follow my heart. I just want to pursue my dreams. I just want to make it happen. Uh, I wouldn't have had this thought if it wasn't meant to be true. Right? And Jesus says this, as he's in the garden about to be arrested, he says this, Father, if you are willing Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Right? It was not Jesus' dream to be flogged and murdered on a cross. But Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. And I will do it because I love all of you. Right? Last one here. Exhaustion. And, I, man, I talk to a lot of you guys. I know this is a lot of how you feel all the time. Right? All the time. Right? In your eyes, like, there's no end. Life sucks. It's never going to get better. I'm just exhausted. I'm tired all the time. Like, I just, I can't see an end in sight. We're like, we're in just survival mode. We're trying to grasp up out of the water. We're in the low oxygen area forever. That's how we feel, right? And what does Jesus say? He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? So as we can see, some, some of those things, not all of them are bad. Some, some of those things that I mentioned, even in the, the your eyes column, can be helpful. There's no power in them, though. There's no power. If you want to stop spinning, if you feel like you're just stuck in the cycle of unbelief, just spinning and spinning and spinning and you're exhausted because you're not getting anywhere, there's no power in doing what's right in your own eyes. There's power in believing in Jesus and following him in long obedience towards him. Right? Some of these things that may be helpful, but there's no, there's no power. Right? So uh, some of our friends just camp out here. Right? And they're actually, they don't believe in Jesus, and they know that, and they're not spinning because they know they don't believe in Jesus. They're just doing what's right in their own eyes, and, they're, and that may be you in this room too. And again, this is a safe place. 
And they look at Christians that are spinning, and that's the most uncompelling thing in the world. Why would, I, why would I believe if they don't even believe it? They have anxiety. They have anger. They have fear. They're mismanaging their money. Like, why would I believe in that? Friends, how much more is it compelling to have this deep conviction to know that there is resurrection power in our lives to believe in Jesus? And as we're way over here, that is the most compelling thing in the world to all of our friends in Orlando. To know and believe that we have resurrection power, right, through the resurrection of Jesus. So I'll close with the story. Um, so for me, a, a few years ago, um, I was definitely in a season uh, where I was spinning, spinning out of control. Um, what had happened was my life, uh, things that I thought were going to happen in life um, did not end up happening, and God wrecked my plans in a, in a great way, but at that time, I, I was devastated, and I was spinning because I thought, God, why are you, why are you not good to me? God, I, I've done all of these things for you. God, I read my Bible. I go to church. I serve. I'm on staff at a church. God, why aren't you, why aren't you blessing me with a thing that I want, right? And whenever I felt like God was not giving me what I wanted, I was just spinning out of control because I'm a, I grew up like as a, as a church kid, which some of, some of us did, and as a church kid, um, I just grew up kind of doing all the right things or so I thought. So I thought whenever I was ready to cash in all of my chips, I wanted God to pay up. I don't know if you ever felt that way, right? I've done all of the things, God, and whenever I'm ready to, 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 to earn in my, turn in my tokens and get the teddy bear, like I'm ready for you to give it to me, right? And God didn't. And whenever God didn't give me what I wanted, right, I was spinning out of control. And I was just low, 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 and I had no joy and had no peace, and I was actively upset at God. You know those times in your life where you're just, like, indifferent towards God? Like, oh, I mean, I, I mean to follow him. I, I mean to abide. I mean to, I just didn't get around to it today. You know, like, but your intention is good, but you just don't get around to it. But I don't know if you've ever been in a season where you actively do not, where you're actively upset at God. You're like, man, I am upset. I want nothing to do with him. And here's the worst part. Nobody knew. I was, still, I was working at a church, right? I was pretending to take steps toward Jesus, steps away, step towards, steps away. Right? On the surface level, everything was great. Isaac was normal. Man, but underneath, I was spinning out of control because here's what I wanted. I wanted joy, and I wanted peace, and I was super discouraged. I wanted joy, and I wanted peace, and I was so discouraged, right? But here's the most ironic part, is I wanted joy and peace, and I was trying to find it in what I thought was right in my own eyes, but deep, 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 deep down, I knew the only way to get joy and peace was to believe in Jesus, right? So it was finally God stepped in with his resurrection power as I'm spinning out of control. It's like, Isaac, what are you doing, bro? Why are you find, trying to find joy and peace outside of me? You know that I'm the only source of joy and peace in your life. Why are you trying to find it in a place that you know you're not going to find it? So with the resurrection power of Jesus, he stepped into my spinning, right? He rescued me brought me out of my spinning to show me his beauty and his glory and his satisfaction and knowing that, man, if I want joy and peace, I know how to get it. It's believing in Jesus and a step-by-step, long obedience towards him, right? So as we close, this is what I want for you, friends. 
the, 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 this is the main idea, right? And a lot of times we get cutesy with our words and our phrases. We try to make things rhyme. Here's the big idea. I want you to believe in Jesus. That's it. Believe in Jesus. This is the center of our faith, and I want this to be the center of your life, is to believe in Jesus, to take steps towards him and long obedience towards him, that whenever Jesus is telling us to do something, we do it, and we start shedding away the things that we know that are not going to satisfy and we start going towards him.